0: So school was different when I was back at home because I would have to do like everyday tasks while also doing school. Like I'd be cooking and taking care of my brother, or just like regular stuff. But then I also have to be paying attention to whatever the the teacher was talking about. Cause yeah, I remember times I'd I'd even have to like use the bathroom and be on the call at the same time, and that was in yeah that was nice.
1: Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. I'm your host, Benjamin Rangel, and today we are covering a topic that's been covered a bit on our podcast in the past. Um, it was one of our original themed episodes um, over close to 100 episodes ago, three years ago, when Kyle and I first started the podcast. But that topic is education and Today we're talking about what does education look like during a pandemic, all right? So I'm sure we've heard stories and we we've um, maybe have students of our of our own children of our own who are in school, but I wanted to revisit Anthony McHenry with Milwaukee Academy of Science. He's the CEO there, and last summer we had him on the podcast to talk about uh, what their school was doing to bridge the digital divide. Obviously, with remote learning happening throughout the country, there's a huge equity gap when it comes to resources and access to technology. Um, But this episode is less about that specific topic and more just trying to get a sense of what has school been like for folks, uh, especially here in our city. So uh, you heard from my own student, Yes, if you didn't know, I'm a teacher myself. Uh, You heard from one of my own students, uh, Julian, in the beginning of the podcast, giving you a really important tip not to bring the Zoom call with you when you need to use the restroom. You'll also hear from another one of my students, Rodrigo, uh, later on in the podcast. And you'll kind of hear the student voices interspersed amongst the conversation with Anthony McHenry from Milwaukee Academy of Science. Uh, So please enjoy the episode before we jump into things. I also want to help you with your Christmas shopping or holiday shopping, uh, any type of shopping really, and uh, let you know that we at Bridge the City have these beautiful t-shirts. They say Bridge the City on them, but the main point of the shirt is to promote local engagement. So you'll see buy, connect, Involve, local on the front of the shirt. And you can check out our social media to see what the shirt looks like. You can also go there to direct message us to let us know if you're interested in purchasing one of those shirts. Because typically you would have to become a patron, which by all means still do. Still please support us in our work. Local independent ad-free journalism by becoming a patron uh, at patreon.com slash the uh, well, Low as $4.14 a month. But maybe you don't want to commit to a monthly payment. Maybe you want to support local journalism just one time and get a dope shirt while doing it. Uh, please let us know reach out to us if you're interested in getting a shirt we can deliver that to you uh, just in time for christmas too if that's what you're into um, for just 25 dollars you can get a bridge city vote connect and buy a local t-shirt with that let us jump into the conversation with anthony mchenry the ceo of milwaukee academy of science and uh, again hear from some of my own students from Cristo ray jesuit high school julian and rodrigo throughout enjoy All right. Uh, Why don't we get started with just uh, introducing yourself and your role? You've been on the podcast before, but let's just remind listeners.
2: Well, first, I just want to thank you again for allowing me to uh, be on the podcast and spend this time with you. My name is Anthony McHenry, and I am the CEO of Milwaukee Academy of Science. Uh, We are a K-4 through 12th grade public independent charter school. Uh, We are currently in our 20th year.
1: Uh, And just for the context for listeners, um, how has um, Milwaukee Academy of Science been doing school during COVID? So we've probably heard more times than ever before terms like hybrid, uh, synchronous, asynchronous. What has uh, that been like for your students and and your staff? How have you all been doing school?
2: Sure. We spent most of the summer planning three different schools uh, in person a hybrid and a 100% virtual. Uh, We were informed by the city of Milwaukee Health Department uh, that all schools would need to start uh, virtually um, until they had an approved school reopening plan. And so we then uh, launched full speed into preparation for a virtual uh, program. We've continued to operate the program uh, even through today. Part of the reason why we chose to do so is uh, the population that we serve at our school is uh, mostly on the north side of Milwaukee in some of the most impoverished uh, zip codes in our city. Uh, Those are also the zip codes who have struggled the most in terms of their number of positive cases uh, and the percentage of positive cases as well. Uh, The primary zip codes we serve have at times been in the mid to upper 30% in terms of their positive rate.
1: I wanted to jump in here just to highlight a point Anthony's just going to sort of breeze over, and that's a lot of states and cities and school districts have been wrestling with how to approach education during this difficult time. But one thing he highlighted is that uh, one size doesn't fit all, right? So depending on the situation and depending on the the health concerns of a particular population or, the, or the, the community spread that exists might make it so that different schools need to behave differently. And this is what's made the entire decision-making process behind uh, educating deer in a pandemic extremely challenging.
2: And so in an effort to ensure that we create the safest and possible, safest possible school, uh, we have yet to to open to the hybrid model We are hoping to do so uh, shortly after the the break, assuming that uh, trends are favorable.
1: Yeah, and I think you all—I guess I I don't know um, the numbers across the city. I know Milwaukee Public Schools has been fully virtual um, since the beginning of the school year, but I know it's sort of a smorgasbord when it comes to all these other schools and their decisions. Um, So, just to be clear, all students have been receiving instruction completely virtual. You've had uh, no students in the building.
2: That is correct. We've been one hundred percent virtual for the entire fall.
1: The last time we spoke and the last time you were on Bridges City, we were talking about the digital divide specifically, and this was before the school year had started. You had, I think, made the decision at that time to just at least start the school year virtually. Um, how did things how have things been since since that conversation? How successful were you in, in closing the digital divide, making sure students had the appropriate technology to receive education in an effective way this past fall?
2: The answer to that question is is, is both highly uh, positive and, and at the same time, uh, not nearly what we, we would like to be reporting. Uh, the good news is through uh, some support of partners, uh, our own uh, financial resources, we were able to Uh, completely eliminate the burden of technology and Wi-Fi for for our our scholars and families. And each of our young people have uh, a device and the appropriate Wi-Fi. I I use the word appropriate Wi-Fi because one of the things that we learned was that asking if families had internet at home was not the appropriate question. Uh, Many of our families indicated that they had internet and yet the internet, the data package was not sufficient for the learning platforms that we've had. And so we've been able to, uh, through our partnership and relationship with City Forward Collective, uh, get access to hotspot devices uh, at about three times the number that we anticipated to make sure that we could get the hotspots to the families so that they had the appropriate uh, level and amount of data that they needed. So that's that's the good news. We're we're very fortunate that we are at the one-to-one in terms of technology and the appropriate Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm also really pleased to say that the virtual program that we have is um, is is I would say amongst the best uh, that that I've seen and heard about, uh, both in terms of the rigor, in terms of the the quality of the instruction in the amount of time that we are requiring of our young people. It's about double uh, what is, is happening in uh, most schools for synchronous instruction. The reality of it is, is with all of that piece of good news, we're, we're still, there's just no way to mirror the type of growth that can happen when you're in person. That's that's just the reality of it. We recognize that and that um, we very much look forward to the day when we can have all of our young people back in the building uh, so that we can, again, expedite the growth that those young people can and should have.
1: I think now might be a good time to check in with
0: our student voices and hear what they miss about school pre-COVID-19. Um, I already mentioned it, the social part, just being able to hang out with with classmates and just fool around and, and maybe even like... Um, like, human touch, I don't know, like, high-fiving your friends, hugging them, you can't do that anymore.
3: Hey, I'm Rodrigo De Leona, a Cuisier student, a senior in Cusheri. Um, I really missed the uh, the social aspect, like, where you get to sit, talk to everybody. I like the crowded hallways. I liked not having to be six feet apart without someone behind your back checking on you. Um, I felt it was more social. There were sports, which right now there's sports, but um, I heard that you have to get COVID does it three times a week, so it's not the same.
1: Despite students like Yulian and Rodrigo missing what school used to be like and not loving what it's like now, uh, listen to sort of how blown away I was by uh, the challenges Milwaukee Academy of Science had to overcome in order to deliver instruction virtually. Again, challenges that are uh, sort of unequal across the spectrum of different schools depending on resources and um, what schools had at their disposal prior to COVID, and then even during and throughout COVID. And I want to highlight something you had said in that response, specifically that that you weren't at initially when you asked, do you have Wi-Fi at home? You had some families identify yes, but then you realized pretty quickly that the Wi-Fi wasn't fast enough for uh virtual instruction and then you said something too kind of casually but i want to point it out because i think it's a it's a major accomplishment that you had to what was it triple the amount of hotspot devices you you lent lent out to students or provided to students is that correct that is correct and and can you i don't know if you have these numbers on hand i maybe should have given you a heads up but like when we talk about that the number of hotspots you had to provide like what is that number like how many hotspots total do you know
2: yeah, I think the number is around 360 or 380, so... 300,
1: we're... wow, okay, sorry, that I, I, That was more than, <laughs> sorry to interrupt, that was just more than I anticipated, 380 uh, hotspots? Correct. Holy cow, and uh, just to provide some context, <laughs> some more for listeners, I'm kind of blown away, um, uh, how many total students do you serve?
2: Just under 1,300.
1: Okay, so that is a that's a huge a huge amount of work that had to go into just making it so that students had access to the virtual instruction you all provided. So I didn't I didn't want listeners to to hear that response and, and to into uh, kind of uh, nonchalantly accept that uh, major accomplishment because yeah, if
2: I could just jump in and add one piece, so it, it's not it's not just solely about the speed of the the the, the internet. It's also about the amount of data. One of the other things that we learned is that uh, many of our families have limited data packages. And so the speed may be sufficient, but the data would, would run out within a week. Uh, it's a monthly package. And, and so the data would run out in a week. And so we were fortunate to get unlimited data packages, uh, which would, would certainly be uh, outside of what our, our, many of our families would, would have been able to pay for on their own.
1: Got it. So it wasn't just that the speed; it's that they had it, but then they would run out of the the ability to use it after a certain time because they were limited in in the amount of use. Okay. Um. Uh, so if you were to identify, okay, let's get past the fact that uh, you you all overcame this amazing hurdle and you did an um, uh, incredible job of providing your students and their families with the support they needed, technologically speaking, which was a huge is a huge accomplishment. All students have been receiving instruction virtually. In that virtual instruction, try to get get our listeners sort of in the mind of of the students. What has been the biggest challenge you have seen students face during uh, COVID during virtual learning?
2: I, I think the biggest challenge for many, if not most of our our scholars, is we underestimate the importance of the environment that kids are learning in. Uh, a school like Milwaukee Academy of Science, where Nine out of 10 students are living in poverty. Um, school provides a safe place, uh, an opportunity for interactions with their peers, them to be in the presence and build relationships with caring adults. That Those factors are critically important if you're asking a young person to be at their best and be willing to learn and engage in the the academic process. When you remove all of those things, it's not only an appropriate setting to maximize growth, it oftentimes is an inappropriate setting for engagement. One of the things that we learned pretty quickly was that we shouldn't mandate that their picture's up, their, their screen's open. We wanted to have eye contact. We thought it would be good for our young people to uh, stay engaged if we can see them, see what they're doing. Uh, But yet, this is an equity issue. And many of our young people are living in homes and environments where them being able to open up the homes to, to everyone who is in the Zoom is not necessarily appropriate have three or four siblings in the same room trying to, to learn, it's not necessarily the best learning environment. And so I think the, the, the biggest challenge we have is just the setting. It's, it's not conducive for learning for the majority of our kids. They, they don't have a specific learning place that's quiet and that's comfortable and that feels safe for them on a regular basis.
1: Speaking of that learning environment, let's hear from Julian about some of the
0: challenges he faced learning at home. So school was different when I was back in home because I would have to do like everyday tasks while also doing school. Like I'd be cooking and taking care of my brother or just like regular stuff, but then I also have to be paying attention to whatever the the teacher was talking about cuz yeah, I remember times I I'd, I'd even have to like use the bathroom and be on the call at the same time. And that wasn't... Yeah, that wasn't nice.
1: That isn't nice, Julian. Great way to put it. And here's Rodrigo talking a little bit about what school's been like in person at Cristo Rey Jesuit High School.
3: During in-person school, is mostly everybody has a mask. They're mostly always six feet apart. It's a lot of hand sanitizing and a lot of wiping. So that gets tedious, but it's for the safety of everybody else. Um, lunch isn't as interactive as it used to be. Like, you... You feel isolated like in a sense, like because we're used to having like twenty kids on the table just talking with all your friends. Your friends aren't even here half of the time. Um, so it, I feel like the social aspect is really really like not not it, you know.
1: As a teacher, I can also say this has been a really hard year, even from a social emotional uh lens. Like I got into this work because I love uh I love the work and I love interacting with students in person, right? And so when you take away the social-emotional part of the, of the work and, the, and the, the, the whole process of, of education, it's, it's emotionally draining. Uh, despite that, I have been constantly impressed by the, uh, at least with my students, the level of perseverance and the ability to succeed despite everything and i'm sure you've seen similar things with your students so despite everything despite the challenges what are some things to point that you can point to that students um just successes students have had despite things or or um uh, i don't know surprises or things that have been shocking in terms of like wow even with everything this this particular student or these students are still doing this really well or still accomplishing x y or z what what are some things that come to mind for you
2: yeah well, let me first say you're exactly right in terms of the challenge that that, that our teachers are facing. It's it's not just on the, the side of the students, but but none of the teachers went into teaching for a virtual program, right? They, part of the reason, if not the majority of the reason why they went into this profession was to engage in person with young people. And, and that's all of a sudden taken away. So I just wanted to re- reiterate that point. Uh, to your, your your second point, I am blown away by the perseverance of our young people and their families. Um, I try to at least once a day get into classrooms and 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 see what's happening, and every single time I'm amazed at the number of kids that are present. Uh, I'm also blown away by the the activity of the young people looking into the chats and seeing them ask questions and make comments it, It's impressive to see it's heartwarming to see. and then when I look at our attendance numbers and see that we are in the ninety percent for attendance, it it says a lot about who our young people are and their, their resilience and their commitment to their education. Uh, it also speaks volumes, I think to the importance of partnerships between parents and the school. I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that not all schools are having the same level of engagement with scholars and not all schools are having 90% attendance as well. Um, I believe that the single most important reason that's occurring is because of the significant relationships and importance we place on having deep relationships with our scholars and families, but that's that's just that's impressive to have that type of attendance.
1: Yeah, if you're a educator or school administrator listening from home, and you're not already convinced that family engagement is uh, uh, should be a priority, uh, then hopefully after listening to this, it becomes one. Uh, also, uh, Anthony talks a little bit about how unique the challenge is for high school seniors, in particular when they have graduation and college to be concerned about.
2: Uh, And then when you look at uh, our high school students who, for them, um, their challenges are even more significant because there's less grace for them than they are, let's say, for our younger kids, uh, because they have to have their FAFSAs completed if they are seniors. They have to be earning credits because their credits will determine whether they will um, be able to graduate on time. They have to maintain a GPA uh, that will allow them to not only graduate, not only be accepted in the post-secondary education, but puts them in position to go to the types of schools or trainings that they would like to go to while we're also pursuing um pursuing, uh, making sure that they're prepared for the ACT when and if they have to take that as well. So there's just not a lot of grace there. And and yet, uh, our high school students have responded. Uh, we're in December, and I think we're already at 100% completion of FAFSA. Uh, all of our students have already uh, applied to at least one. We might even be at two um, uh, colleges or universities. Uh, just really impressive for our young people to be re- responding at the level that they have, and quite honestly, uh, I have more faith and confidence in, in our young people uh, than, than than probably many would would think is possible. And yet, I'm even surprised at the, the level of engagement. Um, without question, I don't want to give people the impression that that um, that you know we don't have the opposite end of the spectrum. True, we are working really, really hard to maintain contact with a handful of kids and families who uh, it's, it's very hard to keep up with. Prior to the pandemic, between 50 and 120 kids on a given day was, was could be classified as homeless. Since the pandemic, 45% of our families have been, uh, their employment has been impacted, either they lost their job entirely or partially. So things have gotten significantly worse. Uh, and, and so, uh that means there's more stress on the families. And uh, one of the things that we've had to adjust to in our aggression towards being in contact with our families is we've had a number of families who said, hey, I really appreciate your calls every day. But we, we, we need we, we need you just to slow down for a little while. We're under so much stress that we, we can't right now uh, make school a priority. Uh, and, and we respect that, and we um, want to make sure that they know that we're here and that um, uh, we're going to respond accordingly, supporting them.
1: As I was wrapping up my conversation, I will say uh, this this next part was unprompted, okay? You all know I'm a teacher. I think my occupation is important, just as everyone probably does. Uh, but I promise you, Anthony McHenry, unprompted went on to talk about how teachers need to be celebrated a bit more. And quite frankly, I would agree.
2: Well, I, I touched a little bit on kind of the challenges that, that teachers are, are facing, but I, I just want to shed a little more light and speak a little bit more in, in detail so that the, the the audience has a greater understanding of the, the work. Our teaching staff, I'm sure the teaching staff in, in most school buildings are, you know, they're relatively young, may have uh, relatively new families and their children are also not in school. And uh, for many, if not most, childcare is not accessible to them. And so while they are working to support the 20 kids in, in their class, not only in terms of providing the synchronous instruction, monitoring and evaluating of the work the lesson planning that needs to be done, all of the follow-up calls that we make every single day when a child is not present in the class, they're doing that while their children are at home as well. Incredibly difficult. Uh, My eyes was open to this early in the school year and talking to one of our teachers uh, and just listening to her talk about the challenges she's having. And typically that's not the case, right? We can move into our professional life and set aside our personal life for eight or nine hours a day, and then we go home and pick our personal life back up. They're managing both throughout the course of the day. It's tremendously challenging. I hope and pray that 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 as a city, a state, and as a country, that on the, the other side of this pandemic that we not only uh, celebrate our teachers, but that we really rethink um, the education field, uh, how teachers are compensated, how teachers uh, get licensed—all of that needs to be rethought based on uh, how our teachers are, in many ways, kind of carrying the community right now. One of the things that we're looking to do in the, the very near future, uh, in an effort to better respond to the needs of our of our students and families, is be able to bring more kids into the building based on individual challenges or uh, supports that kids may need. And and I'll just give you an example of we've had three families that that I'm aware of this year that have had house fires in the last two months that have totally destroyed their homes. And each of those families uh, had to take residence in a place that wasn't the best learning environment for their young people. Well, we hope that never happens again, but if it does, we want to be able to bring those those young people into the building. We, we know who our uh, chronic homeless families are. We want to be able to make sure that they have a, a, a place to go for their young people to learn. And if not, then we like to be able to bring those young people in
1: the building. Other reasons students might be invited in include the difficulty students have with the virtual learning environment, just full stop. It's hard for some students. And then uh, secondly, the high stakes for others, especially high schoolers who are at risk of losing graduation requirements or or graduation credits uh, because of uh, the challenges faced during virtual learning. But to finish this off here uh, in true Bridges City form, action steps. What can you do right now to help contribute towards the solution that students, families, uh, educators are facing all over our city and state?
2: Sure. I, th- I think there's there's a number of different things um, that, that individuals could do, and they vary from person to person. And I think the most important thing to say is that there's there's something that every single person with a willing heart that they can do. And some... Some tangible things that, that they can do is uh, if they're in a position to support schools or school initiatives financially, now is the time to do so. Um, I say this kind of jokingly, but there's this is the reality. Uh, Amazon has done really well during this COVID. Uh, but what would happen if each of us took a little bit of that money we give to, to Amazon to support education here in Milwaukee? And even if you're not familiar with an individual school, that's uh, doing the, the, having the type of successes uh, as say Crystal Ray or Milwaukee Academy of Science, um, there are larger entities out there that are supporting our schools like City Forward Collective, Milwaukee Succeeds, et cetera. And now more than ever, um, we need financial support. Uh, I mentioned 360, 380 hotspots. Those devices are about $300 a piece over the course of a year, uh, the Chromebooks that MAS and almost every other school is given out, um, you know, a classroom of Chromebooks is, is over, it's almost $9,000. Uh, that's real money that uh, that schools are, are forced to come up with. And despite what, what, what people may have heard, um, the reality of it is schools are primarily, particularly in urban communities, underfunded and under resourced. The other is, no one at this point should be silent on the issues that are impacting our communities. Um, if there's any good that can come out of 2020, it's that um, uh, we all had to make decisions on whether we were fed up or not in terms of social justice issues. Um, and if you are amongst those who are fed up and feel like uh, equality and equity should be an American trait, then I, I ask you to to speak up early and often. Uh, get involved with initiatives that can can completely really, can can really push the issue because at the end of the day the reason why mas and schools like us are having the the, the challenges beyond what the suburban community is, is is having is because of a lack of distribution of resources and if we can increase the amount of resources that are in communities of color then uh, we will begin to overcome some of the social emotional uh, challenges, some of the uh, challenges in, uh, that come along with living in poverty uh, would be reduced. And so I, I encourage everyone to, to not be on the sideline, but to be involved in the ongoing conversations uh, about what type of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the United States that we want. And then finally, one thing we all have in common is we care about young people. And uh, I would encourage individuals to uh, check on their family and friends, uh, communicate with them more now than than they ever have. Because one of the things that we know for certain, and we're starting to see data to support this, is that it's harder today to be a child than it's, than it's ever been. Um, I was talking to a school leader of one of the wealthiest student bodies in the Milwaukee area. And uh, the number of attempts of suicide has been significantly higher than anything that they've ever experienced before. So imagine what's going on in the hearts and minds of the young people who are living in poverty. So let's 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 be mindful to check on our young people and to not assume that they're doing well because they smile in your presence because we don't know exactly what they're doing uh, when they're alone and how they're feeling when they're alone. So. I would say that's the third thing that I would ask of individuals. Uh, but again, most importantly, there's a place for everybody who has a, the heart to support uh, schools and young people, uh, particularly those
3: young people of color.
1: And to finish us off, some inspiring words from Rodrigo and then Julian.
3: Um, just persevere. Get through it. It's just, It's just a year. You have many more years to live. And this is going to be a struggle you're going to surpass. That's going to make you stronger. So just push through i would say
0: to just keep keep going through everybody's going through it it's difficult and i know a lot of people that are struggling with mental health because they're all locked up because of covid so just you're not alone and just keep going you got this yeah
1: thank you so much for listening to bridge the city I hope that you were able to think about your role in supporting education here in Milwaukee. Uh, Please consider buying one of those t-shirts I referenced in the beginning of the episode. You can see them on our uh, social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, so on and so forth. Uh, Thank you so much. And as always, let us know how you have helped bridge the city.
2: Bridge the city, whoa, whoa. Bridge the city, yeah. Bridge the city, yeah. Gotta bridge the city, the city. Bridge the city, whoa.
3: I'm